You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Music Biz 101 and more. Hi, I'm your professor, David Philip, along with Dr. Esteban. Marconi Emeritus. Yes, and Emeritusly, we're happy to have you here. We are live, live, damn it, on the radio. Actually, we are not. We're live on a podcast, which is still being recorded. There's nothing live about this, except the guests we have today on this special panel are live, living, happy to be here. We are starting real quickly. Music Biz 101 and more. Uh, Brave New Radio, the University of William Patterson. Before we begin, we want to thank the wonderful people at MEO, the Music and Entertainment Organization at William Patterson University. We want to thank Jenna, Mila, Kate, and Patrick for helping us put this together. They run this Music and Entertainment Organization, which is all run by students. And what we have tonight is a panel with three great guests. I will start with the best looking, and that is Sean Striegel, who is with us. And Sean is a uh, the president of Mammoth. Entertainment Northeast, correct, Sean? Am I correct? That is correct. Yes, Mammoth Live Northeast. Mammoth Live, thank you. Yep. And then we also have uh, worst looking Luke Davis, the drummer for the Happy Fits. Great to have you here, Luke. Having me. Thanks. You appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And then we also to round this out because we're talking about live music today, and we have our promoter, we have our artist, we also have Tommy Salerno, who is the manager of. New Jersey born and bred artist Jax, J-A-X, who has a big hit on the radio right now. And apparently Tommy Jax has a new song coming out at midnight, Friday, March 3rd, year of our Lord, 2023. What is the name of the song, Tommy? What is the name of the song? Cinderella Snapped. Cinderella Snapped. So all the princesses got together and said, screw you to the patriarchy. And they burned down the castle and they weren't, they're not waiting for the night and uh, shining armor to come and rescue them. They're going to just go out and make their own way and become badass CEOs. <laughs> there we go. One, and that fits with her last single, which is the hit, which is the Victoria's Secret song, Correct. which is about empowerment and overcoming stereotypes and all that and being good. So that's cool. So our focus is on the live industry. And we just want to give a shout out to everybody here who's with us. Hello to everybody. Thanks for for everything you're doing. And uh, if you have a question, throw it in the chat and we'll get to it later in the show. But right now, very first question, and you three can figure out how you want to answer it. But an artist is going to go on tour. What happens? What happens first? How does this take place? Where do you all fit in? Who would like to start? Do not be shy. Well, I literally just got off the phone with my agent about an hour ago, planning out our summer tour. And this is our first big uh, 
you know, big run for Jacks. We've done a lot of one-offs. We did Jingle Ball, uh, 15 shows for the Jingle Ball franchise at iHeart. But I literally uh, have been, you know, the past couple of weeks just learning how to manage and set up an artist and get her on tour and, and a real, you know, 35 show tour in about eight, uh, I think it's a little, about 10 weeks run. Um, and I, I've, I've learned that you better hire the right people to do it because there's professionals out there that really know how to maximize and do it the right way. And I thought I could handle everything. And what's it, what's that? A couple of phone calls. And it's, it's not, it, you need professionals around you that do this day in, day out. I'm learning every day, the nuances of, of everything down to, you know, where do we dump the waste in the toilet on the tour bus? And how does that, who pays for that? And uh, actually finding a tour bus, a post-COVID, uh, in a post-COVID world on a summer tour this summer, there are, no, I, we went through 15 bus companies and I found the 2008 bus and I'm thankful for it because that was literally the only one I could find that's left available. So everything from tour to merchandise to, uh, to meet and greets to, um, you know, how are you going to pay for gas? And, you know, who's going to carry the credit card for gas? And, you know, thank God I, I, I hired a tour manager a couple of weeks ago that I started to do this on my own. And when she stepped in and just took over the reins. So, you know, there's just so, so many nuances to, and, and there's so many ways to lose your, lose money as opposed to, you know, maximize your profitability when you're on the road. And if you're not careful, it just flies out the window. Um, so, you know, my, my big lesson and, and learned is hire the, hire the top, you know, the best professionals. I mean, that's my business philosophy in general with the other companies I run as long and my management company is, you know, I, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. So I hire the best of the best at, at what they do. So I might not know how to route a tour and make it most profitable and figure out all these nuances. So I'm going to hire the best and she's going to tell me what to do. And I'm going to trust my 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 people to do so. So, I mean, that was a kind of a roundabout 30,000 foot overview uh, of how to get an artist out on tour. But um, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's amazing that the, the, the amount of boxes you got to check when you're sending out an artist on, on a, on a, you know, two, three month tour. I can't imagine when you're sending out five and six buses and, and, and going out for 10 months, I can't imagine what goes into that, but um, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, I just I just had a fun fun screaming match with another agent who who didn't uh, wasn't happy about us doing a ticketed sales event. So she's doing a show in May that is across the country and over ninety days out from where the tour begins. Yet they're mad about the radius clause. So radius clause means when you sign up to do a tour or any show. On the front end of the, the show, they don't want you in that city selling tickets for 90 days, uh, whatever, 120 days. And on the back end, they don't want you selling tickets. Why? Because they want the fans that would have bought that, you know, they want to buy the tickets to the show that you're doing with them. So um, just more stuff I'm learning on a daily basis. But I got a question to throw in, and this is to Tommy and Luke. Sorry, I'm not the interviewers like you guys, but I got a question. So, <laughs> and I think some of the people on this panel will be interested who decides when you're going to tour? Is it the artist or does management advise the artist? Like, I think that'd be good to hear from you guys just to start it there. Yeah. Luke, wanna... my personal experience with it is usually a uh, booking agent and manager uh, plan out the pacing where 
a lot of it is put on you as to like, you know, it's the yes, no, where as the band, you're basically the yes, no guys, um, or, you know, yes, no people. And at least with my band, how it works is we have two managers. Um, they're both great, Ayad and Kieran, um, and they are under Diamond City Management. And basically they work with a uh, sound talent group. Uh, Jake is my booking agent. Um, he also does uh, a band called Knocked Loose, if you know them. Um, and with us, it's pretty much most of the time is you tour as much as you can. You try to get a support here and there, but we're mainly a headlining band uh, in our personal experience. Um, and, you know, you go through the album cycle, however long the album cycle lasts. That depends on whether it hits on radio or not, if the album cycle last longer life of it um and you go in the studio and record and all through all of that as a band you promote but a lot of the planning and the navigation through the states is done or if you're doing international is done through your booking agent and management and they kind of go to you and be like are you cool with this routing is there any places you want to hit that like you enjoy or like you think you have like a good market in um that you really want to do something so a lot of it in my my experience has been uh, luckily taken care of, at least in the later years. The early years, yeah, we decided it. And we'd be like, oh, we're going to tour as much as we can. And, you know, we'd go on band camp, find 900 bands, only 20 of them respond. <laughs> and you get all the locals you can. And then you hit up every venue with all these predetermined, uh, I guess, like the, you know, the bands that you want to bring. That gives you a lot better of an opportunity for the venues to respond back. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of that way. But once you get an agent um, and a good management group, you know, the the dream is that you really, you know, that's all planned out for you because you want to focus on the art and you want to focus on the promotion, the social media side, because that's what it is nowadays is you got to be on all these social medias doing everything you can. Uh, you know, you want people to be able to take care of that for you. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, it's funny that, you know, the stages of what you're, where you're at with the band or the musician, what, what part of their career they're in. And, and, and like you said, the album or the, or the release cycle, but um, when you mix in a record label, then you have that whole group of lovely people to discuss things with, and um, they have their opinions on when you should tour and your agent wants you out there on the road. Cause you know, agents make money by booking, booking shows and tours. So um so there's all that. I mean, my our particular situation with Jax is a little unique because she has over two billion views on TikTok, and her kind of sometimes it's like, do we got to get in a you know get on a plane and fly somewhere and put everybody in a hotel and rehearse and build out a stage show and build out a production to play for you know two thousand people or five thousand people or twenty thousand people and maybe make X amount of dollars. Uh, or do I stay home in my TikTok studio and put out a, a, a performance or a song or a snippet of a song and get 12 to 15 million views and I'm done in 15 minutes with, with that kind of work. So I do battle with that all the time, but we want to make her a well-rounded pop star and not just a, uh, a, a social media influencer. So we've crossed that, we've crossed over where we use the, use TikTok as a tool um, to, 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 to propel her into all these other areas. But I really want right now, you know, she started as a TikTok star and a, here an influencer and a pop star here. I feel like today we're right about here, uh, equal 50, 50. I want to get her to be a pop star 
first and still have that huge backbone of, of influence, uh, influencer. But I mean, TikTok's an integral part of her, of her music rollout and her marketing and her, and, and again, so when we go on TikTok and she says, or any social media platform and says, Hey, where, do, you know, where do you live and where do you want to see me? And we get 17,000 DMs from the New York area and 12,000 from Orlando. And it kind of makes the job a little easier to target our headline shows to go out on. But now we're, now, you know, we, we, um, we feel the need to get out on tour on a major, you know, kind of a major tour. We didn't want to headline it yet. We don't feel she's there yet. Could have, we could have done, done a headlining small club run, which is a great option, but we kind of skipped along. We kind of jumped a couple steps because of her massive viral con, you know, viral background that she has. And her song went from, you know, hit number two very quickly over the past four months. So we don't have a hard ticket, you know, every, every promoter, every, uh, Everybody wants to know what your hard ticket history looks like. I mean, that's that's the game in live music. They want to know, okay, what she, what is she, what is she, how many tickets she's selling? You know, is it a thousand a venue? Is it five thousand a venue? We had no hard ticket sales. I mean, the the uh, Jingle Ball Run was a, a radio promotion tour, so it really doesn't count as hard tickets. <clears throat> um, so we had nothing. So everyone was her agent to her label was screaming at me, saying, "You got to get a hard ticket run to get some history." To have other people look at you to bring you bring them on the big the bigger headlining tours uh, the bigger tours to jump on a support and uh we kind of said you know what we're not doing it i know that's your formula we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice on our on our tiktok uh and 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 social media presence we're gonna roll a dice that our song does so well that people are gonna want to see her and you know it all played out properly because about five or six different major artists Charlie Puth, uh, Maroon 5, um, uh, a bunch of others came calling, wanted her to open for them and uh, made her offers. And we actually went with Big Time Rush, which Big Time Rush is, is a Nickelodeon uh, band, a Nickelodeon TV show back in the day, in the 90s, I guess. I just and bought my girlfriend tickets to that. So. Oh, you did? <laughs> That's yeah, great. I, I did. That's great. All right, good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 but they have such a loyal following. They're selling out 15,000 seat sheds uh, uh, like, uh, you know, or, uh, outdoor arenas like PNC by us and stuff. They're, they're selling out uh, a 35 uh, city tour, um, 15,000 seats. And, and they realize the value of Jack's social media presence and the fact that she's got current, current hit and hopefully another one coming in the next few weeks on the radio. So we kind of jumped over some of the steps and and we kind of proved the label and the our agent wrong to a certain extent. So, you know, my my advice is, um, you know, don't don't you don't always have to follow the cookie cutter. Um, I, it, it kind of is contradictory to what I said a little earlier about hiring the smart <laughs> people to do what they do. So, yeah, you hire the smart people to do what you do. But if you, if you have a gut and you have an instinct and you're, you have an artist that's that that has an instinct and, and you think you could do something. Don't be afraid to break break from the norm because uh, you know that's how that's how trends and waves and new things start. You know, so yeah. You know, it's funny. We used to hear a couple of years ago everybody bitching that in the seventies and eighties you toured to support a record, right? And then it flipped to you put out a record to support a tour. Yeah, we're right in the middle of that now. Like, there, it completely depends on where you're at in your career as far as why you're actually going out on the road, right? Like. I think that's a very interesting thing that has been a major shift in the last couple of years. But I think a big part of that also has to do with social media, right? Like, uh, 
I think that's a big factor as far as when people are deciding to actually go on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see a lot of, uh, you know, our, my band was very organically, uh, I guess, you know, built up. We just toured as much as possible and our mindset was very, you know, we wanted to not necessarily be those social media guys. We just wanted to play live music. That's what we wanted to do. Um, that's just not the case anymore. And it hasn't been for a while. Uh, you know, you got to do all these things. But it's always interesting to see these artists that blow up on, you know, whether it's Instagram reels or they have a viral YouTube video or if it's, you know, uh, TikTok. It's it's scary for some of these artists because they don't know what they're going to do. They, you know, they might have, you might even, it's great that TikTok then most of the time translates to Spotify, but then Spotify is like this big, like, you know, look at how big I am, but you could have, there could be a band that has 2 million monthly listeners and they can't sell out Mercury Lounge in New York City. Yeah. You know, they sell 150 tickets. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's, that's awesome that you guys did that. And, uh, you know, there's products. so many, there's so many, um, artists that I, you know, without calling out their names, that the people from TikTok that blew up on TikTok, they had 50, 60, 80 million followers on TikTok. They thought they're going to be able to go out and do a headlining tour. And they, they, they're, they're playing to, you know, a lot of empty rooms. I'm sure Sean has seen that. You guys have seen that a million times. So it doesn't always translate. So it's, it, it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a tool. It's a, it's an absolute case by case, but, um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that uh, there's a lot of these social media people that are popping off but can't sell a ticket can't get a can't get a stream so it's all it's kind of the right mix has to be there and then of course the stars have to just align yeah 100 percent. let's get into sean for a sec because sean's the concert promoter who was with live nation the biggest one in the world and now he's with mammoth live which is an independent concert promoter so sean where do you fit in uh you're a president of northeast and it's a national outfit but where are you with this whole situation? At what point are you interested in booking bands? Who are you talking to? How is that process working? Well, I, I mean, the process is the same, right? And that's never going to change, like knock on wood. But look, it's the relationship between the promoter and the agent, right? It's it, To me, it's equally as important to have the relationship with the manager as well. But if an artist decides they're going to go on the road, the agent then reaches out to promoters. Most of the time, it's ones that they have trust and they have faith in and that know are the right ones to work with their act at whatever level they're at right then. Because there are, there's amazing promoters that can sell 500 tickets, but would have no idea how to handle an arena show, right? So it's about like the agents picking the right promoter for, for the right course that that artist is actually on. Um, so I deal with them, you know, luckily I do have a lot of relationships with managers, so I'm having conversations with them and I'm finding out about an artist going to go on the road, probably before the agent reaches out to call even, but, you know, I guess that's where it starts. You know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Marconi, do you want to pop in? Um, I just want to, yeah, with Sean, since we're talking about Sean, how is it now, um, uh, Difficult. How <laughs> is it difficult playing against Live Nation now for an artist? Uh, does it usually work that the artist goes looking for you because he heard they heard from hearsay or they've heard from your reputation and will trust you? 
Uh, Look, it, it's difficult whether you're with Live Nation or not with Live Nation, right? The live music space has gotten so full of promoters, but I think that there's still plenty of room for everybody to live in. And, and I, you know, we're, we're doing just fine with that. Um, a lot of the business that I'm doing, yeah, it's based upon the relationships that I've built over the last three decades, right? Like, uh, I'm not new to this. It's not like I was two years in and got the clip or something. It's 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 based on the relationship. So yeah, I mean, as soon as I made my announcement, the phone started ringing again, um, mm -hmm. which is great. Right. You know, uh, it's yeah, it's always difficult, right? Like I don't own a room in New York City. I don't want to own a room in New York City, but <laughs> you know, there's there's plenty of of venues and opportunities and great artists to work with out there. Can you explain what that means? Because some of these people don't might not know what you mean when you say own a room in New York City. Uh, own a room would be like uh, a promoter that owns and operates or is exclusive to the venue. That's what I mean, where it's uh, I don't have one that I'm exclusive to. I go into open rooms, which are operated by the venue and any promoter can go into. Um yeah, I think that's the difference. You know, like I, I, I just I go into open rooms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are so there are certain venues? There are certain venues that I get asked to do a show in that I can't because they're exclusive to a couple of the other promoters, right? So, where, what are, what are some what of your is? main ones showing that you kind of book? What 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 are some of the places that? that I, well, I mean, I've been doing show. I did shows at Barclays, MVP Arena up in Albany. Capital One Arena down in Washington, D.C. Plenty of, you know, I work with friends that own venues up in Albany, all over Pennsylvania, okay. Connecticut, just all over the place, as well as I'm also booking a boutique amphitheater in Seattle, Washington. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, right. So in terms of the finance of the deals when you're promoting, um Obviously, you have to stay in competition with the other promoters. Is there, it's not a trade secret, I want you to give it away, but is there something that you do that sort of sways the deal because the other guys aren't doing it? I'm going to answer that in a different way. Okay. Um, money's money, and the, the best word a promoter can ever learn is no. There gets to be a point where it's financially just not worth it, right? Like it's a risk and reward situation. I, I mean, if you're putting up a million dollars to promote an artist in an arena, but you've had to battle and push the guarantees and everything to a point that you're maybe going to make $20,000. I don't know any other business that operates on a million dollar risk to make $20,000. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? But there are certain promoters that just want the market share and they'll fight and they'll push constantly for that so um yeah that would be my answer to that i don't know if that answers the question but that would be it um yeah yeah i, I mean that's a part of it i'm just wondering do you um is there something about you that makes the deal work my reputation what i've done and what i can do I and mean, that's what you know this I was just saying this to somebody earlier today. Listen, this is a relationship business and you're only as good as your relationships are, right? And it's okay to screw up. You can make mistakes, but 
be honest about it, accept your mistakes, learn from them, right? And don't try and hide it. Don't pass the buck. Don't blame it on somebody else. But you build your reputation off of how you act. And if you do what you say you're going to do, and if you follow through, then eventually you'll see success, right? If if you lie, if you cheat, if you hide, it'll get found out and then you're out of business. So it's 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 all about how you conduct yourself. Everybody talks in this industry. I've learned, oh, yeah. I mean, if I talk to my managers, they'll be like, oh, I heard from that guy, we're not gonna use this. Or I heard from that, or I've had this experience through. It's all word to mouth and it's so true. I mean, I kind of assumed when um, they asked the question, that you were like, it's kind of your, your connect, you've been doing this for, you know, that you said a very long time. So it's a lot of it is the connections and relationships you build, um, I think is super important. And yeah, everybody talks. So you, you gotta be honest. And to that, like, I, I will tell you, there's been more than once. And it, it, I, I will admit, it's kind of different now that uh, I'm working as an independent promoter. I've always been that weird guy who will tell a band when, if they reach out for a specific room, if I don't think it's the right move for them, I'll tell them, I, I don't think you should play this. I really think you should play that room because I think that's more on the trajectory of where you're heading and where it's going to work best for you. Um, not trying to talk myself out of business, but I am still a firm believer on doing what's right for the artist and what's right for the career. And especially with um, both of you guys on the panel here, and, and if anybody in the audience is a musician, right? Us as promoters and even as managers, our job isn't looking at what the next show is. It's at looking what the next three to four shows are, right? We're we're not just setting up for how do we sell tickets to a 500 cap show right now. It's how do we sell tickets to that? And then what's the return look like? And then what's the return after that look like? How do we get them... How do we become a part of that to help them grow to the next level or to sustain if they're already at a comfortable level? Yeah. Can you explain what the difference is between a independent promoter and the non a non-independent promoter, which is like Live Nation or AEG? What is that? What are the differences in your eyes? That's such a tough question, right? Like the easiest thing would be big company. Hmm. But you know, Mammoth, we're doing shows all over the u.s so we're not a corporate promoter you know I, it's tough to decide right it's that is a really difficult question to go into um you know uh i guess the easiest way to put it was an independent promoter risks their own money whether it's their own individual out of their pocket or if it's out of the group they're working for Right. There isn't shareholders. There isn't, uh, you know, board of investors. There isn't that, right? Like it's it's built from the ground up and it's self-financed. I, I think that would probably be the biggest difference. Because yeah, technically AEG is an independent promoter. It's financed by one guy, by Philip Anschultz, I think is, um, he's a gigantic billionaire, multi-billionaire, but, um, you know, it's it's not a public company like Live Nation, so... No, it's it's not, but also you got to look at like what what's that book of business that AEG has? They're not just a promoter, right? They're they're not just a venue owner, they're venue operations, they're sponsorship, they're ticketing, they're all of that stuff, right? Like you can sit there and say it, but they're Live Nation has Ticketmaster, AEG has access, right? It's it's the same. They're so divested in so many different parts of 
businesses. It's not just the music business, right? But businesses, whereas an independent promoter is that they're focused on promoting the events. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tommy, so this tour that Jax is going to be a support artist for, do we know is this a Live Nation promoted tour, an AEG tour? Neither. What what is it? And do you have any idea why? Because you guys are support, so you were brought on. You had nothing to do with that, right? But can you give us any info on what's going on there? I mean, no, it's a, it's a Live Nation tour, um, and uh, CAA is their uh, big time rushes uh, agent. Uh, my guy's Black Mitch Blackman, who's now at APA. I don't know if you know Mitch Blackman, Sean. Yep. So we we we've started up with him for now a couple of years. Uh, he's been with us since the big since she signed. Um, I don't know. I mean, Sean, you might know me better than I. I mean, I I know that they've done a couple of successful tours with uh, with Live Nation. So I I, I don't you know I, I think I'm not sure what the relationship is. I forgot the guy's name from Live Nation who is in charge of that uh, thin guy painted fingernails. You know? I don't know. No, <laughs> I, <don't> know. <laughs> I had to Mohawk when I was there, so I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. anyhow, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know exactly, but, uh, but it, it, you know, it, it, when I, when I chose a tour and I had a, a choices to to choose from, I'm not gonna lie, I, 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 you know, not being as experienced in setting up, you know, live shows, um, I, and I may be mistaken, but just having the live na nation power behind this tour whether or not it's helpful or not was a was was a, a factor i don't know if i would i would have turned this down if it was a smaller independent promoter i i don't think so I mean, my agent would guide me on that anyway um but i i just i, I like the reach of, of uh you know i felt good about the reach of live nation so i felt like the tickets were going to get out there Maybe Ticketmaster was going to crash and people wouldn't be able to get them, but that's a different story. <laughs> well, you know, look, I think you can scrutinize, right? When you're the headliner, it's it's you can scrutinize more yep. who you're playing for, right? And look, Live Nation has produced quite a few of those big time rush tours, and they've done a great job for them. So if I'm their manager, why not? I'm gonna right? go with what works, yeah, right? And it's not a matter of malaise; it's not a matter of being lazy, right? Yeah. It's about what did I say? It's a relationship business. And if you've created, if that tour producer, whoever it is in Live Nation is the one that's been doing the last couple of tours yeah, and it's been successful and the artist has progressed the way that they wanted to, that's why they go back. And as a support artist, you know, one of three, um, you don't have a lot of, you know, you don't have a lot of say in anything. You just kind of take the scraps as they kind of fall down to you. Um, we, you know, her, her social media presence and, and having a, a hit on a, a current hit on the radio. Uh, the set that she's one of three, so the second act, the guy by the name of Max, and then Big Time Rush. Um, you know, doesn't necessarily have the social media power or the uh, or the uh, a hit on the radio at the moment. So, you know, we're doing a release tonight at midnight, and that song should bubble up in, into you know some really good airtime. And I've already gotten about 50 asks to do radio promotion from now until June 22nd, which the big time rush tour kicks off. So who's the who's the who's got the a little bit of the power right now? I mean, we're gonna go out on the road and she's doing Elvis Duran tomorrow morning, uh Z 100 She's doing Ryan Seacrest uh on third, you know, um, next Thursday. You don't so, think that we're gonna talk about, hey Jax, what's up next? And she's gonna say, Well, I'm going out on the road with big time rush. I mean, who's getting 
that rate. So although we're one of three and we don't have the, the great juice, we're, we're gaining and we're, we're getting a little more power. They're treating us a little bit differently and a little bit, not that they were treating us bad, but you know, we're getting had a couple asks that uh, could have went either way that they tipped their, tipped their hat to us and gave them to us because uh, we're gaining and we're gaining traction and we have a lot of power right now. Well, but that's the important thing about touring, right? Like in that support slot, you 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 got two options, right? You can take the support slot, you can show up, you can do your 30 minutes and play to 15,000 people a night, which is great exposure, and it's going to help you grow. Or you can take advantage that you're playing amphitheaters and a couple of arenas across the U.S., and you can take advantage of every publicity opportunity that there is. You can make it a point to meet your promoters your your local promoters in each of those markets if you want and build that bond build that relationship because next time you're gonna go out and headline so you can take that as an opportunistic step towards the next level or you can just say i'm getting my x number of dollars tonight i'm happy but the the ones that are going to grow are the ones that take advantage of the opportunity now honing off of what you just said because you just said that um if an artist is um, is happy with the last tour or something, then they would stay with that promoter. And you guys, uh, I read where you guys would Mammoth have done ZZ Top. You've done Willie Nelson. You've done acts that obviously have been promoted by Live Nation in the past. What was it that made you get into that mix? The relationship. Be, well, and I know I keep going back to that, right? Uh-huh. But as I mentioned, to me, the relationship for me is equally as important with the manager as it is with the agent. And if a show does great, the manager needs to know who the person was that dug in to make that show successful. If mm-hmm. the show was challenged, but as a manager, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, Tommy, but like as a manager, if my artist is in a show situation that's challenged, I'd rather hear from the promoter directly what he's doing, what his or he or she, what they're doing, what their ideas are, how they can fix the situation. And if you can't fix it, what's the opportunity to make it a better situation for everybody, right? And if you're that kind of promoter, right, then next time around, people are going to remember the actions that you took because your actions speak louder than words. Anybody can write the most amazing email, but how you put that into action is something completely different. Absolutely. Let's get to the Luke Davis happy fits model for a moment, because Luke has has been on tour with the band and you've done multiple national cross country tours. Plus, you've done Europe and you're going back to Europe in a couple of weeks. Have you had experience with major promoters or are your experiences with indie promoters or really just it's just venue by venue. And I know you're going through an agent. So kind of tell us your experience. As so, yeah, um, I think it's important. You know, we're talking a lot about arenas and stadiums. Uh, our last tour was, you know, we were doing rooms like we were lucky enough to sell out Webster Hall. So we're kind of at that level, like the, you know, clubs, but not the big clubs. Um, and what was really interesting is that you know, there is a mix of all three. You're either doing independent for some areas or, you know, there's the like venue is loyal to specific promoters that are just in the area or, you know, that promoter owns the venue. Um, We've worked with Live Nation plenty of times. 
Uh, and what's interesting is that, you know, in my personal experience of a, a few years ago, like a great example was um, we did not have a great experience with Live Nation because at least in our eyes and like being that band that wasn't as big as we are now or these much bigger bands, we were playing the smaller venues. And even though we were selling them out, you know, a great example is San Diego House of Blues. Uh, we played the Voodoo Room three times. And uh, our experience there was, yeah, the fans were great, but we, you know, they didn't really give about us at all. Um, and they didn't really care. And, uh, you know, then this tour, we did the big room. Uh, and then, you know, they were, it was amazing. We had an amazing experience. Everyone was awesome. Um, the same thing happened with the Fillmore. We did the tiny room at the Fillmore. They didn't give a shit about us. They were mad that we were, you know, our green room, we had to walk through the Fillmore to get to our green room. And some of the bands were watching, um, you know, they were watching uh, Thundercat play and, you know, Live Nation promoters were coming and were like, you can't, you can't be here. And they're like, well, I have to walk through this balcony to get to my green room anyway. Like, we're just like slowly walking, watching the show. But then, you know, it's it's interesting. And it's not everybody, you know. Live Nation is, of course, a huge company. It depends on the person. You could have a company that people say they don't really like. But if you have the right person there, if you meet the right person, um, it can be a totally different perspective. But unfortunately, you know, in a lot of circumstances, you know, you have this one bad experience. You don't want to take that risk again in a lot of ways. Same things with promoters. You might have one bad experience. Everyone has great experience with them. You don't want to do it again. Um, an important thing, too, that they were talking about of, you know, artists doing support tours and everything. Um, you know, we and that's a big risk risk for some artists. Uh, you the bands really need to fit. Um, and even if the bands do fit, the the listener could love, you know, this one band, the headliner and then hate the support band, even though it makes so much sense for them to be on the road. Um, a good example for us is, I don't think we were hated in any way, but we opened for the main. Uh, we were direct support for the main. And the opener was Charlotte Sands. And Charlotte Sands has been blowing up a lot. She's got a lot of airtime um, on Sirius XM. And that just made more sense for Charlotte Sands to be on that tour because she's in that genre a little more, even though the main is in like alt band now. Uh, you know, and we're like an indie rock alt band. It didn't fit as much. You know, we made we made more money on our This Wild Life tour where we were playing for 200 people. We made more money in merch on that tour than we did playing for 2,500 people a night because it just it matched more. The the listeners enjoyed it more. So, you know, that's important too. And also, how we were speaking on, it's important to be honest. Uh, a lot of these promoters. You know, and everything, booking agent, all these people, it's uh, if you're not honest and you're trying to just go for it and fake it uh, or, you know, you go, oh, this will work. I'll make it work. And then you're just everyone's scrambling to do something, anything to make it work. A lot of the times it doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, it's really it was an interesting perspective for me of like also for an artist is sometimes you really need to sit and, you know, you have to be okay with saying no on a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we were always yes guys in the beginning. Um, and, you know, we decided to do that main tour because it was our second support tour ever. And it was a huge opportunity. 
And it was a great time. We had a blast. We did get fans, but all these fans are going to House of Blues clubs. They're spending a good amount of money on the ticket. They're spending $20 a drink at House of Blues and these huge venues. And they're there to see the main. They're loyal to the main. So they're spending all their money on their merch. And then they go to your merch stand. And they go, oh, it's a cool band, but I just spent $120 on myself. And then I have my girlfriend here. I have my kids here. They don't want to spend any more money. So, you know, there's a lot of these aspects of everything uh, for an artist that this is a really important thing for the managers too. And we were the ones who said yes to it. It's, I don't blame anyone else besides we agreed to do that. It was an option. We could have done other stuff. That was a 78 day tour that we were already headlining. And then we had a month with the main. So it was 50 shows in total. It was a crazy tour. Um, and now we know as a band, we're probably not going to do a 78 day tour unless it's a world tour and it's you know <laughs> crazy but it was insane it was crazy for us to do and it really burnt us out as artists for a little bit there was a you know there's a a month where we like we're like we don't want to literally talk to anyone i want to sit in my room and hang out like with my friends and not talk about music for like a month because it was just yeah. great and that's important too with these artists you don't want to you know we've experienced a lot with people is they they burn themselves out and then they don't want to do the social media stuff and they don't want to do any of this other stuff yeah. because they just were like, I just worked my ass off and I came back home and I didn't make any money, even though I was playing to 2000 people a night. Um, and, you know, you didn't get to see anything from it. So that's that's a huge part on your team do doing like doing all of that. And, you know, it was a great learning experience, but we all learned from it. You know, our whole team did as a whole. OK. You know, and then coming on this next tour, we did a six week tour as opposed to a 12 week. It was 30 shows and it was the best tour we've ever had in our lives. And we had an amazing crew. We were really lucky. So that is the thing, too, is like there are going to be mistakes made. You are going to be like, man, why didn't we do this? And that's OK, because you're going to you're going to have a second chance at it if you want to do it. Sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there. But. Yeah, the burn, the burnout, the burnout factor is huge because. You're when you know you guys went through it as a as kind of as as you're, you're making your way and 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 the past six months when our when when my artist song hit the radio and started to do well and we started to get the asks and the asks and the radio tours and then and then gigs and then college gigs and I'm and I'm saying yes to everything 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 and and you know my artist is is the type of very driven hardworking like I've like I've never if if she wasn't in the music if she wasn't a singer. I'd hire to run one of my, my other companies because she's just so sh sharp and driven, but she won't say no to anything. And I realized it took me a little bit before she almost had a freaking nervous breakdown on the road that I can't do this. I can't, you know, I, I, it's Minnesota. It's 15 below zero. I get my vocal cords are shot. I can't sing tonight. And then I got to run over to a radio station and act like a little chipper. And then she does a radio station and then to, drives another hour to another radio station. So there's the drop off in the car and then, She's got to pick herself back up and get the adrenaline going for the next guy and act like a chipper. And like, so I realized that um, with shows and we turn around, I turn around, I turn away. It's on the shows right now. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm finally saying no to radio because the label hangs, hang, the record label, record label hangs it over your head. Like, oh my God, if you don't talk to Johnny in Kansas on Z100, or, <laughs> you know, your career is over. So as an up and coming artist, you know, in an act, you're saying yes to everything. And you're saying yes to every show because, you, you know, and I realized that was the wrong way. So this, this run starting tonight with the, with the release, and I've already said no to 
a bunch of stuff. I'm like, she needs, I want, I want three days off in between shows. I want two days off in between promo. I want, if you're going to fly, like, this is where they like the artists get a, get a, a reputation for like, oh my God, she wants to fly first class. She wants a humidifier and a steam kettle uh, and throat coat in her green room. What a, you know, what a diva. No, it's not. It's like, not at all. Yeah. You're on a plane flying to the next gig and it's the only time you could sleep and you're in coach next to the bathroom and fans are coming up, recognizing her and, and taking selfies while she's disheveled and trying to sleep or trying to work. Um, so I said, I had to go to the label and argue with the label. Like you, you guys, she's got to fly first class. And it's not because she's a diva. It's because it's her life depends on it. Her, her, her creativity depends on, it. you know, I don't ask for a humidifier and a steam kettle and throat coat because she's a diva because she can't sing if she doesn't have those things and the room is too dry and she doesn't get enough tea in her before a performance. So, so the burnout factor and saying no is <laughs> saying no is my favorite thing right now. I love it. <laughs> burnout's yeah. a real thing, right? Like it's for every person in every aspect of this business. Yeah. It's the artist, it's the crew, it's the promoter, it's the people working in the box office, the production manager, it's absolutely everybody. And I, I got to be honest with you, like, I'm very happy to see, like, almost every conference talk about it now. And whether nothing changes too much out of it or not, just the simple fact that people are really starting to wake up and recognize that burnout is real. And, like, making sure you take care of yourself, it, yeah. it's got to happen. It's yeah. And being honest it. with your team and everybody, you know, everybody experiences that, you know, these booking agents and these promoters and these managers, they work night and day. You know, you guys work just as hard as we do, just in a different way. And to not, you know, not a lot of people recognize that uh, is it, it's shocking. And I, you know, you get to a certain point and you realize like yeah. everybody's, you know, you guys are the ones making the phone calls all day, like 24 seven doing all this stuff. And our thing is when we're on the road, it's like, where are the 24 seven? You're always putting on the happy face, even though you're exhausted and you had to drive through the night, three nights in a row to get, you know, the classic Seattle to Salt Lake city drive. <laughs> it's like all these great, Oh my God, it's the worst drive ever. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, it's like everyone get and the crew too. You know, you can't have the crew's the one doing the overnight drives if the band is big enough, you know, or the bus driver. Um, yeah, don't you mentioned bus buses before? They're an absolute nightmare after the pandemic too. There's a lot of these factors that come in, and if everybody isn't feeling good and rested or being honest about how they're feeling, something someone's going to sure. snap, and yeah. it's it's you know it's detrimental to the success of everybody. It's funny. I was talking with uh, somebody who was out on a tour and it was their first tour that they were out on and in catering, they sat down, they said, listen, you've been doing this a long time. Can you tell me like, this is my first tour. What's the most important thing I can learn? When I said, sleep on your day off, like you're young, yep. you guys are going out every single night, like you're going to make it halfway through the tour and that's it. Like, seriously, I'm not telling you not to have fun. I'm not telling you not to go out and celebrate successes, but seriously, when you got a day off, take a nap and clean socks. That's the two most important things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. You don't realize the sock issue until you're, Ooh. oh man, I got to run to Walmart. I got to buy a whole new pack. Or you, <laughs> luckily we're now at the point where sometimes we're like, can we get on the rider? Like clean socks, please. Like that, we need it. Cause you don't have time. You're just like, I, I don't have time. I have VIP. We have like an interview. We have three interviews to do. Then you got to play the show. Um, it's craziness. You know, it's, it's yeah. absolute mayhem out there. The rider? What, what, what's a rider? Luke, can you explain what you're, what you're talking about and so, what's on your rider? So a rider is basically um, when you get to the venue, basically what the venue provides you. And you pay for what's on the rider as an artist. Um, I mean, I'm, the promoter is also involved in this um, as well, I believe. Uh, and, you know, for me and for us, it's like, I'm recently sober. Uh, that's a very important thing about the burning out was, you know, you're going out every night and they're like, oh, we got a party. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then you do that for 50 days straight. You're going to be in a terrible mindset. You're going to be burnout. But on the rider, nonetheless, we always would have like Gatorade, like electrolytes. Very important. I always get LaCroix because I want my sodas. That's like just my thing right now um you know you get snacks we always ask for like meat and cheeses so like a charcuterie board kind of thing so that's great just for anything to like eat because sometimes you just don't have time to eat you have to drive to the venue all that stuff but rider is basically a list of everything you want um you know and the rider can also be the like the humidifier the the kettle uh everything of that it's like basically you asking the venue um can you provide this for us for our green room um a great example is i think it's i don't know if it's metallica but they put in their rider um can we have m&ms but can you take out all the green m&ms from the bowls i thought it was van halen Van Halen. and the reason is is they want they want to know that the venue is reading the rider because it's like one of ours is very silly but on this last tour I have a very terrible Trina allergy and a lot of venues you go to, they just throw in, you know, these granola bars that have crazy in it, or they have like, you have the mixed nut trail mix, whatever it may be. Um, in our rider, we asked for them to have their favorite Looney Tunes character sign an autographed <laughs> picture for Calvin. So we've walked into a venue and we get a picture of like Bugs Bunny and he's like, love you, Calvin. And it's like a printed out picture. And we're like, all right, great. They read the cool. rider. Like they know. Um, it's these silly little things, but it's important to know, like, do these people care? Are the, is everyone here, like, acknowledging all this stuff and kind of, you know, being on their game? Uh, and, yeah, writers, just you basically asking for what you want at the venue. And well, a- I think it's more than that. I mean, I always describe the writer as that's the instruction manual for the day, right? Like, because it includes all technical aspects. It's not just yes. catering and it's not just dressing room. But it Stage hopefully you've done right. It lets the promoter know what you're coming up in with, what your equipment needs are, what your equipment you're bringing is, you know, like a stage plot. Oh, my God. Like, that is the greatest thing. Like, so many people <laughs> forget to do that now. But it, like I said, like, it's the instruction manual for how your day is going to go. But that's 100%. just why I look at it. Yes. We have about three minutes left. Marconi, do you have, uh, or is there anybody in the audience who wants to throw a question real quick in the chat? As they type away, Marconi, do you have anything? Uh, Yes, I do. I have a two-part question for all three of you. 
And that is, does the opening act have to ask permission of the headliner to sell their merch? And number two, have you ever known of a headliner taking a percentage of the opening acts merch? I could just, I, it's fresh on my mind because I just was talking about this. Um, and in my situation or our situation, we are uh, awaiting approval on how many pieces we can sell. So I have to get permission from the headliner for how many pieces, uh, one hat, one hoodie, one t-shirt or whatever. So I'm waiting right. on permission on that. From, from what I see, the the, the split or the, the commission on the merch or split on the merch is with the promoter. Is that correct, Sean? It's, I mean, no, I, that's granted. I it's just the wondering. venue. It's rarely oh, venue. Yeah, right. venue. Venue. Yeah. 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 venue. I'm just wondering if the headliner asks for a piece at any time. I haven't seen that. I, I mean, never, yeah, I've never, I, sorry, go ahead. I didn't interrupt you. I was just going to say, if anyone ever asked me, I'd be like, oh, we're not playing the show. That's that. <laughs> or we're not. No, absolutely not. Because you're already match pricing them most of the That's time. That's what I was about to bring up. That's yeah. the whole thing. You got a match price and you have to have the same amount as merch. You can't have any more merch than the headliner. That's pretty much the standard. If you're a support act on a show, it's expected that you're going to have merch. If it's a tour, you might have to get permission on how many pieces, like he's saying. But as far as the headliner taking a cut, no. But, I, you know, very much to what Luke was saying, I have seen, unfortunately, where the headliner makes the support act price match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to we have to price match. So, and it's funny because my merch deal is with our record label through Warner, through you know Atlantic Warner Warner Music Group. So, part of my record contract or record deal is there are exclusive merch dealers. Some people will go out and get separate merch dealers, uh, which obviously is is the goal. But when you're signing the baby new deal, you you get sucked in and they do the merch. So. My Atlantic's producing hoodie sweatshirts and selling them for like 80 bucks on our web, on our website. And I, you know, I, I venture to say that it's probably going to have to come down if I'm going to use that scrap, right? That's uh, insane. Road, it's got to come down. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I argue with them. I'm like, you know, she's got a young fan base, uh, lower the price or offer some cheaper stuff, but that's just the daily grind of being signed to a record label. <laughs> Definitely. Major. Well, speaking of the daily grind, we need to let some of you guys go off on your daily grind because we have hit for our uh, podcast. We've hit the witching hour and we need to to stop um, right after we're done. Hang out for one sec. But um, I will say that we've done a number of these panels, Marconi, over the last five or six years. This is by far the best panel we've ever done. Would you agree? All right. I agree because we didn't have to do a lot of talk. No, no, you guys were the best guests. I mean, we had one a few years ago. I was before COVID where it was in person. Um, it was an all, it was a couple managers and a label person. And all they did for, they went on this, it was horrible, this rant about how horrible TikTok was. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because now I'm sure they would all say TikTok is the greatest thing ever. But yep. they just went on and on and it was terrible. Um, so this did not, nobody went on. You guys were, were great. We really appreciate you. And thanks for the profanity. Appreciate that. So I can edit that out. (laughs) So, so great for getting that, that there's a G rated audience from Disney. I learned my lesson last time. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, 
How are you, buddy? I know How are you, you, Tommy? How are you, man? Nice to see you. Yeah, great to you too. Somebody in our audience named Luca knows every single person on the planet Earth. It's it's crazy. <laughs> so um, so Tommy Salerno, Luke Davis, Sean Striegel, thank you so much for taking the time to sit in with us on Music Biz 101 and more and talking all about live. And thank you to Mio for putting this together. Dr. Stefan Marconi, thank you for being here and taking the reins when appropriate. Thank you and for having the MC, of course. Thank like, you so much. Oh, yeah, thanks for the invite. Appreciate you for having us. Great. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad we all got to speak over each other right then. That was great fun. That was great radio. Good. But um, yeah, I know, but big bear hugs to everybody. And so um, Sean, Luke, Tommy, at the end of every show, do you have any idea what we say? Well, maybe uh, Luke knows now. We just did it with you, Luke, and he already forgot. <laughs> now, at the end of every show, we do not say hello. That would be silly. Sean, you've been on with us. Do you remember, Sean? It's a big word yes. in Spanish. Yes, it's been a long time. I don't remember now. It's been a long time since you heard me yell out. See, come.